Columbia Business School has a new gorgeous facility as of January 2022 and a new Senior Associate Dean for Enrollment Management as of January 2023. She is our guest today. Listen in for a fascinating discussion of MBA admissions at this top MBA program. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Acceptance founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 528th episode of Mission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me. Are you ready to apply to your dream MBA programs? Are you competitive at your target schools? Acceptance MBA admissions quiz can give you a quick reality check. Just go to accepted.com slash MBA quiz, complete the quiz, and you'll not only get an assessment of your chances, but tips on how to improve them. Plus, it's all free. Again, use the calculator at accepted.com slash MBA quiz to obtain your complimentary assessment. It gives me great pleasure to have for the first time on Admission Straight Talk, Claire Norton, Senior Associate Dean for Enrollment Management at Columbia Business School. After earning her bachelor's at Notre Dame in Indiana, Claire became a New Yorker through and through. She started her career as a trader with Citigroup and then moved into admissions first at Hunter College and then at CUNY and Columbia's Mailman School of Public Health. Along the way, she also earned her master's in higher education administration from Baruch College. She joined Columbia Business School in January as Senior Associate Dean for Enrollment Management. I think I can still congratulate you on your uh, new position. And I also want to welcome you, Claire, to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. My pleasure. All right, let's start with a really basic question. Can you provide an overview of Columbia's MBA program for listeners who may not be that familiar with it? I think to me, the key point about the Columbia MBA program is actually the the flexibility, right? Is that we do really think of it as something that can be you know, crafted and changed to meet the needs of individual students. Um, and I think that that's part of what makes it so exciting is the, the opportunity to understand about yourself, what your gaps are and what your strengths are, and to really craft an experience that is personalized to get you where you'd like to go. We, for Columbia, have uh, several different kinds of entry points to that MBA, right? So we have a full-time MBA uh, entry in August. We have a full-time MBA entry in January. And then we have uh, also a number of executive MBA programs, right? EMBA programs, um, both a Friday, Saturday, a Saturday, and um, a global program that's a dual degree with London School of Business. So a lot of opportunities to come in and do the MBA. And yes, and, and this year have also created a brand new program called MBA XMS, which is a dual degree uh, program with our School of Engineering. So our first cohort will start with us this August. Wow. Okay. All right. Now I, I'm going to, we're going to get to what's new in admissions in a second, but now what's, what's new in at Columbia Business School in terms of, of the program, changes to the program, innovations to the program, you mentioned the XMS, anything else you'd like to highlight? Yeah. I mean, so 
I'd like to share a little more, I guess, about XMS than than what I said, which is, you know, that it's really a program that equips students with both the management skills and the science and technology core that should enable them to move seamlessly from classroom to product development to large scale innovation and ultimately help create and grow companies and drive change. So it's really something that covers those core engineering courses in the curriculum, sort of the areas of tough tech, applied uh, science foundations, but also the essential business courses in leadership and strategy, finance, economics, marketing. Um, So I think it's a, a really exciting program. And it's one that's been in the works for quite a while. But I think you know, when you recognize what's what's happening um, in the world at the moment, you you get just a small insight into the forethought and the sort of innovative uh, culture and, and nature that is Columbia Business School. So, you know, everybody now is talking about uh, the importance of these roles and, and the impact of AI and all those kinds of things, right? But, um, you know, we've really been working in this direction for quite a while. So that's something that's that's new, but also I think really representative of what's great about Columbia Business School. And how long is the, the dual degree program? Students start in August and finish. It's a two. It's still a two-year program. Still two-year so, program. And then, mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. So, but I assume it's it's probably fewer electives. If yes, a bit fewer electives. Not no electives. There are electives in the program, but fewer. And and students start um, with sort of the engineering coursework and then move on to focusing more on the MBA. Got it. Wonderful. Where are CBS MBAs finding jobs in terms of geography, industry, and function? So, I mean, I think it's easier to say, like, where are CBS uh, graduates not finding jobs? (laughs) You know, truly everywhere um, and in everything. You know, again, what's of note maybe is that, um, you know, our our alumni continue to be involved in in all the kind of traditional sectors, right? Um, But, you know, seeing lots of folks still in in financial services, in investment banking, in, in consulting, but also... Um, a real growth in students who are focused on more entrepreneurial tracks, students who are focused on more tech-oriented tracks, students who are really interested in roles that um, involve sustainability, which is something that they really get an opportunity to have exposure here to um, at Columbia Business School. So, um, and truly all around the globe. There's nothing I can really think of that you could want to do that uh, you don't get good preparation for here. All right, great. Sometimes I hear from applicants or, or potential applicants that while New York City provides fantastic opportunities, it's also replete with distractions and that those distractions can hinder the formation of some of the close ties that some other business schools have. How would you respond to that concern? Yeah, I mean, I'll say it just has not been my observation, right? So as you noted, I'm still relatively new, but even in my time, right, I have gotten to know so many students like just in the hallways, attending events, um, who I then see day after day around campus who are, you know, saying hello and popping in to check on things. You know, when I talk to students about the experience, which I did, you know, I just attended our our, uh, graduation ceremonies and, you know, they were just full of recollections of the exciting engagements that they participated in uh, with their student colleagues. So from, you know, they are very, very uh, connected to their cluster, right? So their their CVS cluster is something they, um, I think, take with them forever as a, as a point of pride. But, you know, the, the involvement in student clubs, I mean, I, you know, I had the opportunity to attend our January club fair, uh, which is really targeted more at our January incoming term 
classroom, and that's a smaller student cohort. And when I tell you that the space was packed, uh, not only with new students who wanted to learn more, but actually all of the students representing the various organizations, they were, you know, they were there many folks deep to make sure that, you know, everybody knew what exciting things they had going on. And I think it's just representative of, of, you know, how connected and involved they really are. Our beautiful new campus, I think, really draws folks to, to be here and to stay around and hang out. So, you know, we do, of course, have the, the connection with New York City, and that's amazing. And it allows students to you know, have that coffee meeting in the middle of the week with a, you know, remarkable alum or participate in an in-semester internship because they can get back and forth. But I don't think that it in any way detracts from the connection that they feel to the campus, to one another, um, to our, you know, to our leadership, to the broader Columbia community. Um, I think there's really a, a very strong tie there. And so it is honestly best of both worlds. Okay. Now let's move to admissions. And you were kind enough to tell me that uh, Columbia has moved to rounds. Columbia historically has always had rolling admissions and this year it now has rounds. So what are the deadlines? How many rounds? When are they? And why? Yes. So for our January entry, we'll continue to be rolling, um, at least for this uh, January entry, uh, partially because you know, we consider folks from sort of that August and January entry to all be part of the same graduating cohort. And so um, we wanted to use the same process there. So if you're interested in January 2024, then, you know, application deadline will be September 13th, but rolling uh, until then. And so encourage folks to do sooner uh, rather than later, if that's something that interests you. For August of 2024, we're planning three rounds. So our first round will have also a September 13th deadline. And uh, then the second one will be a January 5th deadline and followed by our final round, which will be an April 3rd deadline. And we really felt like this was just an opportunity, you know, to rethink some of what we've been doing and um, to align with peer schools. I think it, it can sometimes be additionally stressful and complicating for students that we weren't necessarily aligned with many of our peer schools and places that they were also looking at. And I think led to some anxiety about like, how were they supposed to approach those rounds as compared to the rolling admissions? So we really felt that it would be helpful to, to our prospective students to, to get a little more aligned and to, you know, be able to, um, speak in kind of the same terminology that others are using and, and uh, you know, give folks an opportunity to really know what the timeline will look like um, and plan for that. So, um, so those were the, those were the why. Okay. And I, previously Columbia had, I think, a fel the fellowship deadline or the, the scholarship deadline consideration was the January date. Is that going to be, is around two deadline going to be that the scholarship consideration deadline also or no? Yeah, so we um, are encouraging folks to apply, you know, rounds one or two who are really hoping for scholarship and, and fellowship consideration. So, you know, there won't be a, a same deadline like the one we had in the past because of the rolling process, but um, certainly there will be a benefit from a, you know, consideration for financial support perspective to being in those first couple rounds. Okay, great. Thank you. Well, that's that's definitely news. Yes, hopefully it will be, you know, received happily by folks. It really was our intention yeah. to try to make things simpler and more streamlined. Okay, great. Great. It'll be interesting. I'm 
I'm curious what your reaction will be to it in, in a year, you know, or, or, or nine months when you, you know, see the results, but okay. <laughs> sounds good to me. Let's turn to other admissions questions. Do you see any, and I know there were some changes to the essays and we're going to get to that in a second, but do you see any changes coming in terms of the test policy? Columbia has in the past required the GMAT, the GRE, or the EA. Any, any changes there? Are they going to be required? Are other tests going to be accepted? So certainly we'll continue to accept those three, planning still at the moment to, to require some tests, right? And okay. so one of those, you know, we are obviously there's some additional new tests coming in to the offering, um, both uh, in the GMAT and the GRE space. Yeah. So we'll yeah. be taking a look at those. But for now, we're, you know, planning to accept those that have traditionally been offered and um, looking for folks to have at least one of those okay. as part of their application. And you did make some changes to, to the essays. Could you review those? Sure. So we have always been interested in learning from students, you know, what is it that they are planning to do um, that has encouraged them to want to pursue an MBA and how do they really feel that Columbia uh, fits into that plan for them? And so that question remains as it as it always has as does sort of the, you know, why Columbia Business School, uh, where we're really looking for students to help us understand why we're a fit for them and why they're a fit for us, right? So really, what is it about, um, you know, our programs, our curriculum, our student organizations, uh, our faculty, the, you know, variety of opportunities that exist here that are unique to our particular school and experience, and how does that really fit? And, and I think those two, you know, I mentioned them sort of together because I think there's a thread there, right? So it, ideally, we're looking for someone who in that why Columbia Business School can, and you know, take further the uh, information that they've presented in that first question and really make it clear to us sort of how the various opportunities and, and supports and, and things that exist here um, are going to be influential for them in achieving the goals that they see for themselves. We know that people are going to come and have experience experiences and that some of that's going to change, right? And and we're happy to have that be the case. But we really just so they're not understand. signing a contract. They're not signing Correct. a contract. Yes. No. No, no commitment required to the plans okay. that you've put forward. But um but I think we, you know, we just want to really get a sense of of thought process. And again, like why why does this feel like something you want to do? And why does this feel like someplace that you want to do that? Right. It's a major investment you make going to graduate school. And so um so we want to understand how how you've come to the decision that that's an investment that you want to make. We're then adding back in a question this year that we have used in previous years that speaks to sort of our inclusive leadership um, interest at the school and understanding, you know, how folks have been able to address challenges in one of a variety of areas that are, are highlighted in our PPIL program. So um, we're excited to, to sort of bring that one back. I think it's, uh, you know, something that provides insight into what we value, right? So it's, it's partially there to, you know, have folks really engage with um, what are the, the pillars that we're looking at in a program like that? And what is it that we hope to be able to develop in leaders that are graduating from Columbia Business School? And, and how can they share with us 
some of the ways that that they've engaged with some of those topics in the past. So, um, so that's why we've decided to add that one. We we have enjoyed over the last number of years um, the opportunity to hear from folks about their uh, favorite books and all of that. But we, you know, felt that that this was maybe more representative of of what's sort of important to us and the special opportunities that we think students have in the classroom here. Right. Okay. Sounds good. And then the, the optional essay, there's also that, right? Right. Okay. Yes. So yes, still an optional essay and it's always really helpful. And, you know, I tell students all the time that if you step back and look at the things that you've presented in your application and there's something that you recognize that we should know, but it's not in there, like that absolutely is a place for you to take advantage of that, right? You know, whether that's about having had some kind of challenge academically, historically, that maybe you feel your GPA or test scores are not reflective of your potential, or whether that's that you, you know, have had an opportunity to be engaged in some kind of activity that's quite meaningful to you that, you know, is only mentioned you know, briefly in your resume, right? Like that's a place where anything that's really an important part of who you are um, and that you think we need to understand about you as a candidate, that's that's absolutely the place to use it. And so I encourage folks to do so if they they feel that they can identify those gaps in their application. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. That was that was great. Now you obviously review at least some of the applications, if not all the applications that come through. What makes an application or more specifically, what makes an applicant come alive for you? So, I mean, I think it's funny and I, you and I were together with some other colleagues having a conversation around this same topic right. recently. And I think it really is about sort of being true to yourself, right? Trying to, you know, I think often in life we are nervous that we should be trying to tell someone what they want to hear, right? And that, um you know, that this is absolutely not a place to do that. Um, you know, that that reads quite generic and not at all in the kind of, you know, truly personable kind of way that was is what we want to see, right? So um, <clears throat> so I think it's really important to to say, like, does you know, whatever I'm writing here, do I feel like, you know, if I put this in front of somebody who knew me, but they didn't know it was mine, could they read it and recognize me, right? Can they see mm -hmm. my, you know, my personality, my motivations, my um, growth over time, right? Like, are those things really there? There's not a right answer to the questions we've asked, right? There's a true answer, right? And and applications that have the true answer always stand out, right? Um, as compared to those that are, I think, trying to to answer what they think is what folks might want to hear in response to those questions. Right. This is kind of the opposite of what we were just I was just asking about. What? But do you see ChatGPT as a problem in the application process, specifically regarding the essays? So I don't. I mean, I think. ChatGPT is a tool, and there are many, many tools that we have now that we did not once have, right? At, at some point in time, we thought to ourselves, you know, if people use a calculator, will they understand math? Like, yes, they do still understand math, and in fact, probably higher level math than they understood before that was utilized broadly. Mm -hmm. And I suspect ChatGPT will be quite similar. Um, we've made it very clear to students in our application process that it's a tool that can be utilized, but generative AI is not something that can, you know, write the, the whole answer, right? It's the kind of thing that could 
uh, do some editing for you or provide you with some ideas to, you know, make sure that you've touched upon, right? But that the the work must be your own. So, you know, from that perspective, I, I think we're, we're quite clear. But also, I think actually back to what we were just talking about, the best applications are reflective truly of the individual right. and our essay questions in particular, right? Like we are really asking you to say for you personally, what is it about this that is going to connect, assist you, you know, help your growth, engage you in new ways. And, you know, generative AI is not capable of saying that in a way that is authentic. So that's really, you know, what we'll be looking for. And so I think, again, um, it's nice to have something, maybe check your grammar, right? So (laughs) it's there for those kind of things, right? But it's never going to give, you know, an answer that can can tie together. It's not not intended to. It's, it, no. You know, I, I, I use, um, I have a daughter who loves to bake, you know, uh, packaged cookies just don't taste as good as her, for her fresh made cookies out of the oven or bread or whatever it is that she likes to bake. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of her in that recipe that just can't be replicated. Yeah. Right. Right. So same, same for this. So, so yeah, I think it, um, I think it'll actually be exciting to see you know, what it does. And, and we as a school are obviously, as I mentioned earlier, thinking about, you know, what kind of training do our students need and how do we engage with it as a tool and make sure that they know how to engage with it as a tool and think about, you know, what kind of management is required and what data is missing from the data sets that these kinds of tools are drawing upon, right? So there are lots of great and important questions for us to engage in in the classroom. So we're certainly not shying away from it. It's, It's something we think is important, but I think it it won't be problematic from an admissions perspective, given again the fact that a we're we're letting people know what our honor code is and how we expect them to utilize it, and that we also you know really are looking for personal insights in our essays. Sounds good. What can an interviewee, uh, somebody lucky enough to be invited to interview at Columbia Business School, expect if invited to interview? And are they virtual or in person at this point? So they will be virtual uh, this season. They they have been both, you know, in the last several years. But um, again, we're thinking that it, it's a nice idea to be able to offer sort of a standard um, experience for folks. So we'll be doing that in that way uh, across the board this year. It's a great opportunity, I think, to engage with our alum, right? Our, our interviews are mostly uh, led by our alumni, although in, in some programs, some others of us are participating. I realize now that when I was talking about entering our MBA, I didn't mention our DEP program, um, which is obviously another uh, fabulous road into Columbia Business School and one where you might see an admissions officer in the interview as well. But, you know, I think how to behave and what to expect are very much the same kinds of things um, that we were just talking about uh, for the essay, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we want to see that authenticity again. You want to be prepared to talk about um, why you feel that this place is a fit for you and what your aspirations are for yourself. And I think it, it's a great idea to think to yourself, like, and what's the one or two key things that you want to, you might want to find out from someone who's had the experience, right? And obviously the interview hopefully is not the only place that a prospective student is interacting with members of our community, right? Hopefully you've come to some events and you've had the opportunity to, you know, see some student panels and engage with faculty and all the the different folks uh, who make our community so special. But 
this is another one of those opportunities. So I think it's also important um, not to for, forget that that you should also be kind of interrogating still like, what is it about this that's going to be special? And is it the right fit for you? And that this is an opportunity to do so by asking that person, you know, one or two key things that might be quite important to you. Is the interview blind? Yes, it is. So, so they only see uh, the resume, right? They only see the resume. That's correct. All right, great. And um, sometimes people don't get in the first time. They might have to reapply. Do you have any suggestions for reapplicants? Since it's that time of year also where uh, I think yeah, yeah. applicants are, are around more. True. Well, so, I mean, I'll open by saying we love reapplicants. You know, often it's that it's just not the right moment, right? Either right. for the person for some reason or in our process or given our class and, and how it looks. Um, and it doesn't mean that we can't imagine that that person would be a great part of our community and, and a great contributor to our community. And so we actually really, you know, we look highly upon folks who take a step back consider their options again and say, you know what, I, I really do feel that this is the right place for me and here's why. And I think it's important again in, in those moments to just say, is there anything that, that you may not have conveyed, right? That, that question from the, you know, beginning about right. the optional essays and the places right. that your application um, might not show all the parts of you, right? That's another moment maybe to say, okay, well, you know, obviously this process is time consuming and folks are juggling their lives at the same time that they're applying. And so, you know, sometimes you, you probably take a little bit of a shortcut or, or maybe don't give your very best, uh, you know, effort at doing these, you know, really finer point things of, of taking the step back and really taking a look at the application and making sure that, um, that we're really able to understand you in a, in a holistic and comprehensive way. So, so I recommend sort of, this is, you know, you have a little more time now you've done all those other parts. You already asked recommenders to write for you and you've already, you know, put together essays and now you can look at it with a fresh eye and say, you know, what might be missing from this application. Every so often I'll talk to an applicant, a reapplicant, and they'll say, you know, my GMAT was low. I retook the GMAT and this time I got a 740 but I don't really want to change the essays. I don't want to have to rewrite them. I don't want to get new letters. What would you say to that applicant? There's a lot of questions actually that I would sort of ask them, right? I would okay. say, you know, well, how long has it been since they applied, right? Is it, is it a very short window in which case maybe that's more ago. applicable? Right. Or, yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes then there really might be pieces of information that, were not true about you a year ago that are true now, right? And that are not reflected in that. Um, so I think it's absolutely uh, worth, you know, reconsidering what you've submitted, right? And and taking a look at that, at least again, with an eye to edit, right? Like maybe you're not starting from zero as you had to the first time around, but um, at least to be sure that, uh, you know, what you're submitting, you really feel is, is your sort of your best effort and most representative of you and, and how you connect with and respond to the questions um, that are posed throughout our application. I'm not just even in the essay, right, but um, all throughout. So, you know, I think you do have to, you have to be willing to do some of that. And again, this is a really major commitment that you're making to yourself and a major investment uh, that you're making in yourself. And so you want to do that quite seriously. And so, you know, if it feels too hard to take 
half an hour to to look through this, then I think you know you want to wonder if a two year investment or a you know eighteen month investment is is something that you really want to make at this point in your in your life in your career, right? So um, so I think that's a good gut check for you is like if you're not you know if you're sort of not willing to even take a look again and and you know interrogate what if what have you put in there and and are there ways that you might communicate it better then um, then maybe now's not the moment. Right. Well, what I what I typically tell reapplicants is a you can't be sure that your essays were didn't have any influence on the rejection, and b if if you even if you applied a year ago, and you use the exact same essays and the exact same resume except maybe change the date, then you're not showing any growth in the last year. Right. Absolutely. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a. I mean, I think you know, you make an excellent point, which is it's a holistic process. So students regularly will say, or applicants regularly will say, oh, well, I know that it was this thing, right? And sometimes you look back at the file and you think to yourself like, no, that is not the thing. Like you actually, you know, got a really strong rating in that area. The place where we didn't see it was over here, right? Right. So, um, So I just would caution people to presume that any part of their application was kind of the quote unquote decision maker, because it really is a holistic process. And again, it's not only a holistic process for you as an individual applicant, but it's a holistic process of building a class, right? And so, you know, what are the interests of the students around you? Like, what are the things happening, right? So it's more even than just what you yourself can contribute, right? So, um, so yes, you should, you should never assume that you've figured out what that one data point is. And that doesn't mean, you know, I encourage people who feel that they have an opportunity to do better on any part of their application to do that, right? So if that happens to be testing and that's a place that you think makes sense for you, then, then go for it, but uh, don't hang your hat on that. Right, okay. Today is June 5th. This show is supposed to be published in two weeks on June 20th. And that means that applicants now have about two and a half months, a little more than two and a half months until your first round deadline, and maybe a little less than six months until the second round deadline. I'm not going to calculate the third round deadline. What should they be doing? So, I mean, the essay prompts are posted already. So while we have not yet opened our application, those are there and you should absolutely start taking a look at those, you know, to to pull that together. You should absolutely be thinking about who your recommender will be and making that ask so that someone has a lot of time um, to prepare. Just one for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want, you want to really think about who's going to be able to add something, you know, to your application and, this is a little bit of an aside, but right, it's reg- it's 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 common for folks to sort of ask, should I have, you know, the CEO who I sort of know or this other person who I've worked quite closely yeah. with, right? You know, in that scenario, I would always say go with that other person, right? Like we want someone who's going to be able to really provide details, right? We're not looking for there to be a connection to someone quote unquote important, right? We're looking for somebody to be able to talk to us about, you know, how you collaborate with others, what your learning style is, how you engage in a community, what motivates you, you know, who you are as a person, right? And so if that other person can't say that about you, then that's not going to be a great recommendation that adds a lot to your application. So start really thinking about those, those questions and providing folks with 
plenty of time um, to get those things in because you will have to have all, you know, the supporting documentation into your application by the deadline or else, you know, you, you get moved to the next round for consideration. So uh, that includes that recommendation letter. But also in, you know, take advantage of, right, we're, we're on the road all over the place. Tomorrow I'm in London and Thursday I'm in Amsterdam and we have, uh, you know, folks all around the world um, in the next several uh, days, weeks, months. So um, take advantage of that. Take advantage of the, you know, opportunities to visit us on campus. Uh, there's, you know, opportunities to sit in on classes and and there's so many events happening all the time so everything doesn't even have to be you know an admission event right but an opportunity to really understand the community and get a better sense for how are you going to choose to engage with that community how are you going to choose to engage with those resources and opportunities so so do that um, as well obviously if you still have tests to take you then you have some studying to do <laughs> um but I think those other parts are are the more important, honestly, right. um, in terms of making sure that you're going to be ready to put together a great application. Thank you. That was great. Now, you touched on the Deferred Admissions Program at Columbia and the advice for college students interested in Columbia's Deferred Admissions Program. And who is it really geared for? Yeah, I love the Deferred Admission Program. I have worked in other, um, you know, schools and places, as you mentioned, and I think that this is um, honestly, a really remarkable opportunity that's not available in a lot of other fields. I think that, you know, one misconception is maybe that it's for students who are already in business, whereas I would say it's for students who recognize that leadership is going to be important in okay. their lives down the road, right? And who want to, you know, be somewhere where you know, inclusive leadership and socially responsible leadership are some of the kinds of things that are going to be a focus, right? Innovative leadership that's that's aware of, you know, all these changes that we're we're seeing in the world and preparing for those things. So I think it's a, a much broader swath of individuals than maybe um, sometimes undergraduates think. But we do want someone who, again, has an idea of why this is eventually going to be useful to them, right? And as I said earlier, um, even more so with this population, we recognize that that will very likely change, right? You're going to graduate from your undergraduate program and get into the working world and have some different experiences and meet more folks and be asked to do things, you know, in your professional life that are going to stretch you in different directions and open you up to new possibilities. But we at least want to see that, you know, you, you recognize why this is going to be valuable to you professionally down the line, even if not in a very specific, you know, end goal kind of role, right? But just how do you see it? You know, what are you going to be doing or what do you hope to be doing when you first finish up your undergraduate degree? And how can you imagine that that might roll like roll out? How are, how are things going to change for you as you start to have those experiences and where do you see an MBA program eventually adding value for you and, and being the right next step. So um, so folks who can start to imagine and think about those things um, are the, the kind of folks for whom this is a great program. So I was a political science major in, as an undergrad, all right? Mm -hmm. I took one math class when I was in college. And Turns into my college career, I started thinking that law, which was what I'd previously been interested, wasn't really for me. I started thinking about business, but I didn't have a lot of quant. I mean, would would you be interested in a humanities or science or social science 
uh, liberal arts kind of person, not not a math quant type of person? We absolutely would. Listen, we're going to need to see that you have some strength in those areas. And um, so for students who, you know, don't have any of it on their transcript, right, it'll be important how they bring to life, right, the ways that they've utilized it maybe outside of the classroom to Mm -hmm. the extent that you've done any anything where um, you've been engaged with quant-like projects. And then obviously that's also why we offer the opportunity for folks to test because, you know, it gives us a different input than the course trajectory that you happen to have been on, right? Different schools require different coursework of students or don't require, you know, specific courseworks of, of students. And we don't want um, whatever that early academic advisement was that matched the goals that you had at that point in time to deter you from being able to do something that you feel is a fit now. So that's really where that that piece of information can come in as quite helpful. But, you know, I, I think there certainly are students who have lots of different kinds of backgrounds who who already have been, um, you know, part of our DEP program. And it's been sort of a hallmark of the MBA program always. We we actually joke around that students will sometimes say to us, I'm a non-traditional um, MBA student. And we say, everybody's a non-traditional MBA student or everybody's a traditional <laughs> MBA student, right? Like, So, you know, there's always folks, there's always a, you know, a dancer, there's always an opera singer, there's always a, you know, nurse, there's always a, right, um, you know, there's always a former lawyer, there's always, you know, uh, someone who's only worked at their family business, there's always, you know, um, someone who has lots of experience in scientific research, right, like, when you walk around, in the classes, right? There, there is all this representation in every class, right? Folks with military experience, um, you know, all, all different kinds of things. And that is the richness that we're looking for, right? I mean, that's that's one part of the diversity that that is part of the experience that we really value. So, so we don't want everyone to, you know, have had all the same coursework and have all the same, you know, career goals. That's not the idea, right? You have to take this MBA and use it in the world. And if you're going to do that, you're going to interact with a lot of different people with a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different ways of thinking about things, a lot of different ways of, you know, bringing those things to fruition. And so, um, so we want that to be, you know, the students in the classroom. And so, um, so absolutely want, as I said, anybody who can sort of understand why this kind of educational opportunity is going to be the right path for them to consider that. Okay, great. Thank you. What question would you have liked to answer that I didn't ask? Good question. So I think what I would like to answer that you didn't ask is, um, or I guess you did ask it, but maybe I went a different way, but is um, what's exciting at at CBS now, right? And I think the answer to that is... um, is, is how much this place continues to evolve, right? And we have a dean who is really excited by and believes in disruption and innovation. And I think our vision follows suit. So, you know, when you look at the coursework that we offer now and the coursework that we offered, you know, five, 10 years ago, the number of new courses is kind of mind blowing to me, right? In all of these, um, you know, in in entrepreneurship, in environmental, you know, fifty percent of our students are taking at least some coursework um, with an environmental focus. Like that was yeah. not true at some point in time, and it's it's a critical part of what businesses will be trying to address, regardless of the 
um, area of business that someone becomes involved in. So I think you really see that happening. And I would expect to see, you know, new CBS developments, some of which have already launched or are sort of underway, but, you know, in entrepreneurship, in digital future, in 21st century uh, finance, in climate and sustainability, um, and in business and society. I think those are really the areas that that we think are going to be important for folks over the course of the next many years. Um, and we're really investing there to make sure that our students will be able to, to think, you know, in a, in a proactive kind of way about um, where things are likely to be down the road and how they can help to develop solutions and organizations that uh, will be successful in those environments. Well, thank you very much for adding that. That was great. I also want to thank you for joining me today, Claire. I've enjoyed chatting with you about Columbia's MBA program. Where can listeners learn more about the CBS MBA? Yes. So gsb.columbia.edu. All our great insights will be there and, and all the information about deadlines and programs and how to get in touch with us, how to visit. So please head there and find out more. Sounds good. Listener, you'll find links in the show notes at accept.com slash 528 to both Columbia's MBA admissions site and other resources that should be of help to you. Quick reminder, don't miss the MBA admissions quiz. Find out if you're really ready to apply and competitive at your target schools. Take the quiz at exhibit.com slash MBA quiz. Listener, thank you too for tuning in to this, our 528th episode. If you found this show helpful, subscribe at iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcatcher you prefer. You can find subscribe links at accepted.com slash 528. This is Admissions Trade Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. 